<laughs> I like my hair. I like yeah. my tattoos. I like mm-hmm. my clothes. Mm-hmm. I like my, you know, it was funny. What? Jacoby said to me the other day, I came downstairs and I had on a Kiss t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And he goes, did you see them in concert or did you like buy that shirt at Target? Or did <laughs> you thrift it? <laughs> and I said, this one? I think I thrifted it. And he goes, you know, they got them at Target. <laughs> and I was wow. like, and I said, yeah. And um, he goes, that's cool. They're making a comeback. I think it's just their clothes, though, <laughs> not the music. But my kid realized that his mommy was wearing a Kiss t-shirt. Right. I was like, I'm a good parent. <laughs> Do you know who Kiss is? Um, yes. Okay. Well, I didn't know. Wow. <laughs> okay. It's clear. Commercial. No. <laughs> no. You know, one of the things that, you know, I've had different things I've had to overcome. And I, you, and right now, I'm going to just stay on the educational one because you're doing the personal and I'm doing the educational one. I remember another situation. And, and, and the things that we're talking about, we're hoping that it inspires you however it lands, you know. So we're coming from two different perspectives. The thing that... When I was at FAMU and my last year there, and this is another story of me not giving up when I could have. Um, it was interesting. Um, my professor who's passed away at the time, um, Gus Pearson, you know, he was, he was sick. And this was the time I realized I was going to become a core director. Um, it was interesting because we were supposed to sing at the um, FMEA conference in um in Orlando in Tampa. And he we the FAMU concert choir returned to Tallahassee to rehearse to go down to to go to Tampa. When I got there the secretary said, Jeffrey, you need to go to the hospital to see Dr. Pearson. So I'm like, okay. So I go to the hospital and he's in the bed and he's very ill. And um didn't know at that time but he was dying. And I remember she looking, I mean, he looking at me and saying, Jeffrey, you have to go and take the choir to Tampa and conduct. Well, (laughs) I looked at him and I said, no, you need to get out of the bed. My whole world turned upside down talking about wanting to give up because this mountain of a man in terms of choral music and in just terms of the musician and the person he was, I could not step in his shoes. I literally learned how to, you was just getting, you know, through with taking conducting lessons and happened to, happened to be the president of the choir at that time. And then I had, you know, my brother, Charlie Toomer was there, Benjamin Polite, you know, it was a bunch of us who were in that class who we had to conduct the choir. So what I had to do was take a program separate it, divide it amongst the conductors in that class and say, hey, we're going to go to Tampa, we're taking the choir. And we did this. I'm thinking about, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this. So, in the context of giving up, when I conducted the piece, My Lord, What a Morning, by H.T. Burley, that's when I knew I was going to be a core director. But I was about to give up when I went to the hospital and when he told me to do it, I was about to leave. I said, no, 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 no. You know, so it's another example. And when he passed away, um, 
I had just got accepted into Florida State University for, for my master's degree. And I remember at, at the funeral, um, just got through singing and I sat down. I was sitting next to um, Dr. Pearson's mother. And I was thinking, I can't go on. I can't do this anymore. Another example of just giving up, I said, you know what? I don't need to go to grad school. I don't, you know, I got the, you know. And that's when Dr. Andre Thomas walked up to me and said to me, because he was at the funeral, he said, I'm going to take care of you. I had no idea that he and Dr. Pearson had a conversation. You know, look after him. And when I got to FSU, um, Rod Eichenberger took me up on his wing, my professor at the time, and Andre Thomas took me up on his wing. And you had Dr. Bowers and Dr. Madsen, they just all adopted me. And this is for my master's degree. And I was in a deep depression. I mean, deep depression. My, I was on because I knew he was dying at this point. And I did not know I was going to complete grad school. And it was in, I started in August. I started, I went to see Dr. Pierce in the hospital in July. And I said, I'm going I'm going to FSU and so forth. And he was kind of incoherent and he looked at me like, good job. In October of that year, I was in my first semester at FSU and he died. Hmm. I went like the week prior, I went to go see him. And I knew then, and I was working in the Coral Library and my brother Charlie came in and said he passed away. And I lost it. Cry, I mean, Charlie had to hold me down. And what happened was I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit grad school to the point to my I was on academic probation. I had a, an assistantship called the um, FAMU set aside. And I wouldn't talk to Dr. Thomas. I was his I was his um, assistant conductor of the Tallahassee Community Course, but I wouldn't speak to him. And he'll tell you, I would go to my rehearsal and leave. I was, I wanted to give up and I felt like I was betraying Dr. Pearson. Was it morning? I was in deep mourning. I was in deep mourning. I was in a deep depression. I literally would not go to class or would go to class and would have be there. I was gone. You're talking about don't give up. So what ended up happening was Andre Thomas came to me. Dr. Thomas came to me. He said, okay, Jeff. You've been quite a long time now. Let's take off the gloves. How long did this go on? The whole year. Like October to May? The whole year. And there were many times that I wanted to give up because that's my, you know, Dr. Pierce was my daddy. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, are you kidding me? You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and I felt like I couldn't love anyone else. And I felt like I was betraying um. Dr. Pearson. So, so I just rather just give up. And then I had people, there were some nice people that had people picking at me. And so I, I went through the, 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 some of the, some of the students, some great students now, but I had some, I had some students who were mean to me. Oh, he's not all that. You know, he can't do this. He can't. Do so not only was I going through, he's not all of that. He can't do that. I had lost someone who was so dear and so important to me to the point where I just wanted to give up. And Dr. Thomas, we sat, we walked down to, um, I think we 
to the loop, whatever it was, down the hill. And we, we from, uh, at the, from the School of Music, and we sat down in Subway. We sat in, it was Subway. And we sat for three hours, and he said, talk. And I cried for almost three hours and just telling him how I was feeling because I wouldn't talk to anybody. And that gave me the strength to keep going, that conversation, to not give up. Mm -hmm. And then it graduated from not, you know, not letting my mom down, not letting, you know, by, and, and, and accomplishing that. Um, Vernon Smith, who gave my first scholarship, Gus Pearson, who passed away, who got me through FAMU, and now going to FSU and he and him dying. And it's now it's Rod Eckenberger, Gus Pearson, Judy Bowers, Kevin Finn, I mean, Alison Darrell, all of those, you know, Clifford Madison, all of those directors just said, okay. But I didn't want to finish. But when I, then I said, I can't let Dr. Pearson down. Something clicked in me again. So I had to block out the noise. I had to, I had to impress on and keep going. So I just kept going and going and going and going and realized that I had to focus on small victories, which prepared me. And I didn't realize it then. It prepared me for my time at West Orange. And then my, the, and the things I grew through at West Orange prepared me for my time now at UCF. So when you think you want to give up, literally it is a stepping stone to prepare you for something greater. And oftentimes in life, you got to go through it to get to the other, to get to the other end. When you go around it or you try to go behind it, what literally happens is you delay what's at the end of your rainbow. And you got to keep going. And sometimes it's tough because you got to deal with persecution. You got to deal with your own head trash. And you got to deal with life, the struggles that life bring you. And that's one of the things that I got to even tell myself now. What, what about you? I got something I want to say about you real quick. Mm -hmm. First. And if you want me to edit this out, I will. Okay. And you know, I normally say I won't edit things out. Right, 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 right. But I will this mm -hmm. because you're getting ready to get blindsided. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest things that I, and I've never heard you talk about it. Mm -hmm. I've never heard you talk about that. I don't mean you never have, but right. I've never heard you talk about it. Like in a public forum, uh -huh. your stutter. Yes. I got and picked at so much about that. Even now I do. You get picked over it now? Yeah. See, I hate people. I like, mean, I mean, <laughs> like, edit that out. You don't hate people. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, like, the thing, I've heard you stutter mm -hmm. before, but it's like when you get super excited, but you get, you laugh at it now. Yeah. You're like, oh. Yeah. But I had a speech impediment when I was a kid, mm -hmm. and mine was saying the letter R. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine with a stutter and then as much as you speak in front of people mm -hmm. and sing and talk and lecture and mm -hmm. and you have a stutter you've powered through that every day of your life I mean, I, I would say that that's literally an everyday thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, you got to understand something. With me, it was 
I got picked at so much by it, you know, and and I would cry, you know, and and get angry. And now it's just whatever. But who helped me through that really was um, Dr. Clifford Madsen at FSU because he is so articulate and he is so and he would take me and say, Jeff, say this. Kids, don't say kids, say kids, you know, say kids, breathe, think, relax. Sometimes your brain is going faster than your mouth. And I'm in graduate school. And he just invested in me. He said, okay, Jeffrey, this is what you need to work on. And I would practice speaking in front of him. And he'd say, nope, yes, nope. And one of the best things that happened. And I'm an adult and had taught at this point for over 15, 17, 18 years. I wish y'all could see his face. So, so it's. <laughs> I wish this was a video. So it's, so it's one of those things in which he saw in me, and all my professors saw something different in me. You know, so I can't say one of them turned their back because they didn't. He saw something in me that said, Jeff, let's work this. Because people will sit there and talk about that. And not really focusing on what you're trying to say to them. You know, so I am you're like, if you walked in Dr. Clifford Madison's office and he and I was sitting down outside speaking, he'll correct me immediately until I got it right. But he let me know I'm going to invest in you because I love you. Now, see, and I think that's powerful. You. So I didn't want to give up what people don't see. With you, with this, mm-hmm. with that thing. Unless you've experienced a speech impediment, you don't know. Daddy, my daddy, mm-hmm. um, had a speech impediment. He didn't talk until he was 13 years old, understandably. He went to Camp Easter Seals. Like, they literally, his mother pinned a note onto his shirt, sent him off so he could learn to talk. He still has issues with words. And I remember when he was teaching Bible school, not Bible school, Sunday school, mm-hmm. when I was little. And he'd come across words in the Bible, and my mom would be trying to help him pronounce the words so he could say it in front of the boys. Mm-hmm. But, like, he would say, not that this is in the Bible. I'm just thinking of different things that he would say, though. Like, this right here is mm-hmm. a, say it. What is year. it? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And he would say, year. Right. Um, a thing that blows up places is mm-hmm. a, starts with a B. Okay. Bomb. Mm-hmm. He'd say bum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we bummed him over there. Like mm-hmm. he had a hard time. He couldn't, and it wasn't. It wasn't country. It's not. It wasn't a country accent that he was saying. Mm-hmm. His mouth wouldn't form the word that way. Right. So it would be like a lot of like put the tongue to the top of your mouth, you know, like trying to get the word out. I saw my dad struggle with that, mm-hmm. and then he would almost get angry. But he wanted mommy to help him. But he would be so frustrated and get angry. But not. He wasn't mad at her. It was just like, <sighs> and I've seen you. Like, do the... Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you're frustrated with yourself. Mm-hmm. I never knew that anybody talked you through it. And I didn't know it was grad school that you actually Oh, my got goodness, help. yes. Yes. And then to see your face when mm-hmm. I brought it up, you kind of had a look of shell shock, like, well, you just slapped me. And then you got a little misty looking. Like, yeah. <sighs> yeah. You know, it's... I'm forever grateful. So that's why, you know, don't give up graduates to gratitude. Right. 
because when you don't give up, you you go when anytime you want to give up, you literally think about the people who have gone before you, who have invested in you, even if it's one person. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's like so right now. Anytime I'm in Tallahassee, I will pop by Dr. Madison's office and tell him I love him. No, his home. I love you. Kiss you. Kiss him on the cheek and say thank you so much to this day. And he tells me, I love you, sweet man. Keep going. And, and, and he and I have had some deep conversations just this summer. Just some deep, powerful. Where I've just driven to Tallahassee to sit specifically to speak with him. And wow. Because I remembered him helping me. He has always created a safe place. And when you create the environment where there's a safe place too, you don't forget it later. Right. So anytime I, you know, and so, you know, so I look at my professors, they created safe places for me. So I can call each and every one of them Tuesday, you know, but specifically when it came to speech and things of that nature, it was Clifford Madsen. You know, it, it, and, and like the other day, Rod Eichenberger turned 91, my first graduate conducting professor, I called him to sing happy birthday to him because I needed him to know he's in Portland, Oregon, but he needed to know that I love him and that I thank you because when another part where I wanted to give up, when I couldn't pass, when I was having so much problems in this conducting class and then we had to write a paper on the Renaissance period and everything else. And I remember I wrote my first paper in grad school and he laughed. He said, let's have a talk, Jeff, and let me help you when it comes to this paper on what to look for. He didn't have to do that. Right. He didn't laugh to pick at me. He laughed to say, I like the effort. So let's, let's learn how to do this on the graduate school level. Right. You know, uh, so I can, I can look at those people when I want to give up. You know, Andre Thomas said this to me one day, Jeffrey, I know, I know that you can conduct a choir, but I don't know if you know how to teach. And I'm like, huh? So he and Dr. Byron said, so we're going to send you down to Florida State High School and you're going to conduct, you're going to teach 22 ninth grade girls. They supported me, gave me the tools, got on me when I need to get on me, but they nurtured me through the process when I want to give up. So, you know, it's... <laughs> and so to this day, I can call him and say, hey, I need, can you help me? Can you understand? I don't... So it, all those things service, service me. I have one more story to tell you, but before that, I want you to tell us about one of your things that you didn't give up on. Okay. This is one of my favorite ones because it's kind of funny, but it was when I was in the military. For those of you who don't know, I was in the military. I was a 320th trainee, Booyah Air Force. We are a mighty, highly motivated, truly dedicated, bloodthirsty Air Force recruit. Oorah. Oorah. Right. Um, so when I was in the military, when I was in basic training, let's talk about, let's, it was basic training. When was one of my glory stories that I didn't give up. We had to do a thing where we had to learn the chain of command. So all the way from the lowly airman that I was to senior airman Dunson, FYI, if you're listening, you looked like Barney Fife stretched out. I, I couldn't stand that dude. 
He literally smoked camel unfiltered cigarettes and he smelled so bad and he would get this far from your face and scream in it. And it's like, bro, I understand like this is your job, but one, your teeth are yellow, so is your mustache. I'm going to need you to put a filter on that. I just don't understand where this went, but okay. I, this we, is where... I mean, that's a PTSD moment. No, I'm, I'm sharing. <laughs> I'm sharing. And so... You didn't give up. I, I didn't. I said I let him yell in my face mm-hmm. with his gross cigarette, camel mm-hmm. unfiltered breath. Um, and this is coming from an ex-smoker. I was offended by the smell, and I smoked at the time. Okay. Okay. So it's that bad. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Anyway, so in the Air Force, one of the things that you've got to do is learn this whole chain of command. And when I tell you it is long, it is as long as your leg. Mm-hmm. In words, going up this way. So it was like. I can't, I can't even tell you. Okay. But it would be like, who's over you, who's over you, who's over you, who's over you, all the way up to the president. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, when you're in the military, you get your tray. And you go through and you pretty much lick your biscuit and walk out. Like, you ain't got time when you're in basic training. It's like, you need to take a picture of that biscuit and eat it later. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you don't have the time. But you have to walk at attention and you carry a tray and you walk by what is called a snake pit. Gotcha. So, you come out of a cafeteria line and there's a table at the very end of the line of... All the drill instructors. And there's different flights in there, which for those of you who don't know what a flight is, it's a makeup of anywhere from 40 to 60 people. So there'd be four or six flights on two lines that in a cafeteria. So you know what I mean? Like there's like right. eight drill instructors there. Okay. And so you don't make eye contact because this is what they do. Airmen. <laughs> And then if it, they said airman, you said crap in your head. Okay. Because that means you have to go over to the snake pit. Right. Does it sound like you would ever want to go to a snake pit? No. No, you don't. So you go over there, and normally they would say this. Like, who is the chief master sergeant of the Air Force? Then I would reply, or the airman, mm-hmm. you know, sir, airman horn reports is ordered, chief master sergeant of the Air Force is whoever it was, or they don't know. And then if they don't know, then all the drill instructors come around and start screaming in their face and call them an idiot and throw their tray and, you know, mm-hmm. all of that fun stuff. Oh, it was the, like, fifth week of basic. And here I go. And Tech Sergeant Nogle, that was mm-hmm. his name, yelled at me. And was like, airman. And in my head, bad words went off. I was like, oh, Lord, please help me. Jesus, Lord, help me. And I went over there. And he asked me one, and I answered it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. and I was waiting for him to say, go eat. And he never did. And he went, he kind of cocked his head and he went, okay, country. He heard my accent. Okay. Now it was on. Mm -hmm. He asked me another one. They asked me every single one and I nailed it. Mm-hmm. I nailed it. Didn't get to eat. Not that I was really going to get to anyway. Mm-hmm. And then he said to me, I guess I'll leave you alone the rest of the time. Way not to make your, way not to make your family look stupid. That's what he said. Oh, good job. Literally. I knew that was a good job. So whatever. I had studied those things. I had studied them. When we would stand outside in formation, they'd say, study it. I studied it. Most people didn't study it. They kind of like slept with their eyes open. I studied it. Never been so proud of myself, one, for studying and actually doing what I was supposed to do when I was supposed to do it. Right. But basic training graduation. Mm -hmm. Mommy and daddy come. San Angelo, Texas. Hotter than 
a lot of things that are hot. I got nothing. Anyway, mm-hmm. blue blazes. It was hotter than blue blazes. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's a something that's hot. And Tech Sergeant Nogle sees my daddy over there with me. And he says, he goes, let me tell you something about your daughter. That's a good one. You should be proud. She did really good. I called. He told her exactly what he did and mm-hmm. went through it. And he goes, and when I opened her mouth, when she opened her mouth, I thought, oh, God, we got a dummy. Mm-hmm. And he said, but she knew everyone. You should be proud. And Daddy looked at him, my Daddy. Mm-hmm. And was like, you should be embarrassed. Because if she opened her mouth and thought she was dumb just because of the way she talked, that's sad. And Daddy turned around and walked off like, Daddy Mike dropped the tech <laughs> sergeant. And then he goes, but, you know, we didn't do that when I, in my branch. I was in the Marine Corps. So he kind of like Air Force, like mocked him Marine, right. you know, like did the whole banter thing. Mm-hmm. I was so proud of my daddy won. But my daddy was so proud of me right. for not like losing my cool, not crying because mm-hmm. I'm a crybaby. Mm-hmm. People don't know it. They think I mean, but really, in all actuality, I can be a crybaby. Mm-hmm. And I didn't cry. And I knew it, and I just owned it. And I was like, and I walked away, and I was like, in my formation, at attention, about face, out, gone. And I wanted to throw that tray up in the air and dance and, like, flip him a bird and, like, do cartwheels. I had so many emotions in that moment because the anxiety was so high. Right. And I got through it. And I schooled him at the same time. Hmm. That is something that I powered through like a champ. Like, basic training, whatever. Like, it was the Air Force. It wasn't Marine Corps basic training. Like, physically, right. it really wasn't that hard. But that, it was hard mentally. Mm-hmm. You didn't deal with the mental and physical stuff of basic training, really, in the Air Force. No offense, Air Force. But it's facts. Um, <laughs> but the mental stuff, getting up at four, the yelling, that's all still there. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to be yelled at, honestly. So that was hard in my brain. And then to be yelled at and then have to remember stuff and then slay it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, for for me, the the don't give up the don't give up the don't give up journey is more, you know, everything that I went through when I started teaching my first job at Western High School, it it applied. It became a it, it was a it was a applicable um, because I taught at a place in which there wasn't a lot of money. My kids didn't have voice lessons. You know, we didn't have money to afford it. We fundraised everything. It was a bunch of students who grew up like me in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So every roadblock that I went through led me right to Western High School. Mm-hmm. So therefore, teaching the kids how to work hard, letting them know that, you know, we may not be the best, but we're going to be the best version of ourselves. So it literally is just working hard and, and, and taking them. They can sing at a convention. No, we don't have to have the best singers in the group to still be able to sing at a music convention. We just have to believe in ourselves and work hard. Smart victory. I mean, small victories, small victories. Don't give up. Don't give up. Yes, I remember the first time my students sang at Carnegie Hall. And I will never forget it. We are, um, 
we were poor. We rode the bus there. We didn't fly to New York. We're on a bus. Don't give up. Mm-hmm. These lessons of life. Don't give up. We we got there off of what we can afford. So we we sing at Carnegie Hall at this huge chorus festival, and and um, we were one of the featured solo groups there. We had uh, sent an audition tape, and we made it in. Mm-hmm. Well, when we go to the rehearsal. My students dress up. It's because it, there are choirs from all over the country, but and and there's a, what we call a mass choir rehearsal, and one famous conductor who was doing a rehearsal with them. Then after that, if you have if you were picked to sing a solo concert to open the concert through audition, you get it. And we got we were one of the choirs in that slot, which was huge because my students just worked hard. And what ended up happening. Which was which was a beautiful thing was when my our students had some infighting. There was some some what infighting within the group. Oh, um, there were there was some racism issues. There was some issues that my first year that we were working through. And and you know that's fine. We go to the rehearsal, and I have first of all I make everyone dress up professionally. What was so sad was some students didn't have ties. I brought a bunch of my ties. And what made me sad, some students didn't know how to tie a tie. Don't give up. You know, so I put the tie on, got them a jacket. And someone could only have jeans and a jacket. And their whole life just changed. And they lit up. The lessons of don't give up. I went to college with, with three pair of pants. So I understood that mentality. Um, and so it was one of those things that just was just gripped me but the other choir started laughing at my students uh, look how they just were well, they dressed up so you know and i was talking about professional dress that's what i knew i went to jones high school that's what we that's what we learned at jones of using the choir mm-hmm. fam you in the choir that's what we learned so i just took that with me so because it's about how you dress it up so the students, and they had to have their pencils, they set up and they were professional while the other students were laughing. My kids got mad. All of a sudden, different relationships, kids who had race issues and other issues, they kind of, bond, they really bonded and I just watched it. One student said, don't talk about my choir sister like that. And then one kid left at our uniform and said, oh, your dresses are so ugly. Oh, your tuxedos, why you got on tuxedos? And I told the students, you don't fight this way. You fight by singing. So in life, you don't give up. Everybody ain't going to like you. Everybody is not going to be your cheerleader. You only need one. And then next thing you know, if you get one, you'll find someone who is like that one. Mm -hmm. And then you build and you build and you build and you build. And then you build like-minded spirits. Because everybody is caught up in the the honeymoon stage of don't quit. Mm-hmm. It's all about that. But when it all wears off, who you got is who you got. Right. And then you grow. And then, so, so that's what you don't quit. You keep going. Pause. Okay. Hearing you say all that, one thing that you have taught me as a friend, and I know that you've taught these kids this, but I think people need to hear it too. Like whether you're six or 60 
or 600. We all make mistakes. Everybody makes a mistake. You, to keep going, you don't have to be perfect. If you make a mistake and like whoever it was who said your paper sucked, mm -hmm. they wasn't a good, well, he didn't say that. He was not, right, but you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like in that situation, mm -hmm. you wasn't perfect. You didn't have to be perfect. Right. You, you were able to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. um, I ate too many Doritos when I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. I can make a mistake. You don't have to be perfect. What you have to be able to do is recognize your mistakes and say, you know what? Okay, yep. There was a mistake. So I'm going to keep going forward. Like, don't be delusional about your shortcomings. You know you have a stutter. Right. I know I'm a crybaby. You know, like, mm -hmm. we know we have those things. But I don't see a crybaby as a shortcoming. Oh, I, I no, would listen. never see. Yeah. No, let me let me explain to you the crybaby. Right. Someone come up to me and mm -hmm. be like, Christy, why did you do that? Uh, like, listen, mm -hmm. it was. Okay. Not 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 having emotion. That's not a short. Right, 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 right. Spontaneously right. uncontrolling. Anybody who else is a crybaby out there, you can send us messages and I'll let him read them as to how it can be a shortcoming because it can ruin your life <laughs> at times. So, so not having emotion. So I'm not saying I'm not saying like being emotional. Not talking about ruin your life at times. No, listen, <laughs> it can at times in moments when you're if when you're so mad and you want to say something to somebody and instead you cry, like, and that's not really people look like oh you're sad. Really, that's not the emotion. It can be anger. It can be fear. It can be rage, right. and it, it, you express it in tears. Right. It's so annoying. Mm -hmm. So you might not get it, but to me, it's a shortcoming. For me personally, it was a shortcoming. Right, right, right. Um, anyway, though, so to see that you were able to teach kids you don't have to be perfect. To teach me that you don't have to be perfect. That you can make mistakes and your mistakes don't define you and they don't define who you are. Stutter doesn't define you if you... So what if you get up and you mess up a word? You just keep going. And say it. So what if, you know, there's been so many things that's happened in my life that were mistakes that I thought would define me for the rest of my life. And they actually turned out to be beneficial, even. I mean, might not have wished it had happened that way, but God used it in a good way anyway. So, you know, it's a the mindset that you give a lot of kids as to how to power through and to be able to own who they are as people. Mm -hmm. You know, what's that song? Red or yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. I don't know. It was a song that we sung when I was little at church. Mm -hmm. But you really kind of epitomize that. And I don't know if people actually understand what a good lesson that is to learn. Like, it's something that we need to teach our kids, mm -hmm. um, need to teach our friends even, if mm -hmm. they don't know it. Mm -hmm. um, and you really do live it. I think a lot of times because I'm more negative, maybe, I guess you would say, than you. Um, I don't know. But when I hear people talk like that, I kind of hard eye roll like, okay, yeah, I'm right. sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> no, you actually do it. You do mm -hmm. it. Um, and I think it's great. I really do think it's great. Now, I want to end this on something, though. So I've been reading a Facebook group 
Everybody who's like Facebook and Instagram, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. Thank you. There is a comment. And apparently, when you were at Jones High School, you used to sing a song in a hallway going beside a teacher's room. Mm-hmm. What was that? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you do? Her, um, the teacher name was Mrs. Heeman. So between classes, I would just walk by and sing He-Man because it was this cartoon <laughs> called He-Man. And so it's He-Man. I wasn't calling her a man because she's not a man at all. But um, it just reminded me of He-Man. He-Man. And I walk by there and she took a light and would just laugh at me. Like He-Man and She-Ra? Yes. Like Princess of Power? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I saw a lot of your Jones alumni. Okay. They were all like, they were hot. Uh-huh. Over it. And there were some comments about her hair mm-hmm. that came around. And I know I did look like a metal band, heavy okay. metal band. There was so much Aquanet that went into that hairdo, you don't even know. Like, there was so much. Mm-hmm. It was so much. I used to use a hairdryer. Mm. Spray it with hairspray, then use a hairdryer. Mm. But what products did you use? Because I don't believe it was natural. It was natural. Leisurely? No. Now just let the space in silence. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to give us the secrets of your beauty of a, of the young Jeffrey? No, not at all. How much do you think you weighed in that picture? So like, it doesn't matter. 60? <laughs> doesn't matter. What? More space. More space? And silence on the podcast. Quit being rude. That was funny. That was all right. Well, not, I mean, well, you know what I did notice? What? Me and you both? What? We were rocking some gold chains. Oh. We both had gold chains on. Yeah. Do you remember? Did, did you all do that in high school? I know there's a generational gap, so it might not have been a thing back in your day. But in my day, we wore gold herringbone necklaces. Oh, cool. Like that was the thing. Did you know? <laughs> did you all do that back in the olden days? I don't remember. More silence. <laughs> like. I'm not particip- We're all of like what, what's our, we're all of like your, five, six years Liz, different. I'm not participating in your rules stuff. So. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Listen, if you don't think I'm gonna out you on this podcast because you're gonna be nice and say that you you're nice, you are rude. You make fun of me all the time. Yes. Why won't you do it on air? I'm gonna start recording it when you do and then just put in sound bites. Of like you being mean, I'm gonna insert. Like, <laughs> 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 you looked like one of those um, hand things. Thank you for joining us today. Because <laughs> this can go on forever, just rant for no I, for no reason at all. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anything that you want to end with? Do you have any go- Instagram? What about it? What about Instagram? Okay. Since you don't know, I'll say it. I mean, for real. Follow us on Instagram at red and, oh, he's on my nerves now, at red and green colorblind. Um, we got Facebook up. It is red and green. Um, I still don't have the website finished. I almost do. We got some shirts and we hated them. So. I mean, for real. We're, anybody out there, if you're listening, you know, shirt people, um, Give us some brands. Give us some samples. Tell us what you're looking for because the quality was garbage that we found. Um, So, yeah, hook us up. Anyway, we will hear from us next week. And this is Red and Green. The podcast.
Deuces.